Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm newly human and strangely literal story expert, Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm evil, skanky researcher and still dead co-host, Dr. Kelly Jones. And I think I'm kind of gay. And I'm meat process and film scholar, Noelle LaCroix. And we're here today to talk about Still Pretty, the podcast that has taken up our Saturday mornings for the past three and a half years. Still Pretty is a fully spoiled, full spectrum Buffy podcast. So if you haven't seen all of the show, go take care of that and we'll show up on time and get to be cowboy guy. I may be dead, but I'm still pretty. Let's go on patrol. All right, we have no summary this week because we are not talking about an episode. We are talking about all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and also mostly all of Still Pretty and the experience of recording it. With me here today, of course, is Noelle LaCroix, who has been one of the most amazing co-hosts that has ever existed in the world of podcasting ever. Why, thank you. You're so welcome. And another amazing podcasting co-host, Dr. Kelly Jones of Still Dead Fame, the Angel podcast, where we ran through Angel two episodes at a time because one episode would have killed us. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I, I didn't feel that it was appropriate to do the last episode of Still Pretty without Dr. Jones because Dr. Jones has been like an integral part of this podcast from the beginning. She is, we are a triumvirate of best friends. Uh, she has been there in the background pretty much every week. She has given us insights. We cite her all the time. So we had to have her with us today. Kelly, welcome to Still Pretty. Thank you, baby. Thanks for letting me come in for the finale. This is awesome. We're going to have fun. Oh, my God. It's so wonderful to have you both here. Um, this has been, you know, an experience for me. I'm definitely going to be talking about that in a minute. And having my two best friends here with me while I go through it has been the most amazing thing. And when I look back on my life, there are going to be a lot of highlights and still pretty is going to be right up there at the top, Aww. mostly partially because of Buffy, but mostly because of the two of you. So thank you so much for being here with me today. It's a big day. Um, so I wanted to get started kind of talking about, you know, why are we talking about Buffy? And um, it's funny because my relationship with Buffy is really complicated. When it was airing, a very good friend of mine named Mike, who is out there listening. Hi, um, Mike. You all have heard me Hi. refer to him as Babs. Um, we started calling each other Babs in college for some reason. I'm sure he will remind me what it is. Um, anyway, he told me that it was a great show and that I had to watch it. Um, and then it, it was like season one at that point. And mm. I watched one episode one night and was like, um, no, I'm not going to watch a show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, I just graduated from film school and like, you know, I'm better than that. Like, that was that was my 1920s Lonnie. I was I was an idiot. I was a little idiot. Um, So I was completely snobby about it. Um, And then years later, I started writing books and getting involved in the romance writing community. And um, everybody was always talking about two things, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Outlander. And I was like, Okay, so um, I okay, I had Netflix, 
it was with Netflix would send you DVDs. They'd send you three DVDs and you'd watch one and you'd send it back. And as soon as they got it, they'd send you the next one in your queue. Um, and so I started watching Buffy and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then I brought my husband at the time, my kid's dad in on it and he loved it. And so the two of us would sit there and watch it. And the very second we finished one DVD would be like, get that fucker in the mail. And we would get it back to Netflix so that the next one would be here before we finished the other two DVDs. It was this whole, very complicated process. Um, but one of the things that I had been constantly told by other writers is that they learned a lot about writing from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I'd gotten a two book deal with Warner Books that was is now Hachette and didn't know what I was doing. And I don't like not knowing what I'm doing. I like to fully research everything so that I can know what I'm doing and do it well. Uh, and that's what started my obsession with stories and storytelling. And Buffy the Vampire Slayer was right there. I was watching Buffy and just absorbing and learning. And I watched it over and over and over again. And I will say that as a writer, I have learned more about writing from Buffy than from any other source. And so being able to talk about it critically and analyze it and talk about the storytelling, but also talk about like what it means as a cultural phenomenon um, has been a really incredible experience for me. Um, so, so Noelle, uh, why, why don't you tell us why you talk about Buffy? Why me? You know. Why me? Why Buffy? <laughs> well, I love, I, so I love that you put why Buffy as the heading in this section of our script, because the short answer is that Buffy was the show Lonnie was working on at the time. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that is partially the answer. Um, you know, if it had been Lost or the X Files or literally anything else, and you'd said, "Hey, you want to do a podcast with me about this thing that I'm working on?" I'd be like, uh, "Yeah, all right." But I mean, so that's the short answer. But the real answer is that Buffy is a show that was and is important to people who are important to me. And the equally real and possibly best answer is the series depicted one of TV's first lesbian relationships, which opened the door for more LGBTQ plus characters on television, while also being deeply meaningful and resonant for a substantial chunk of my community. The connection and friendship between Willow and Tara that grows into a romance gave a lot of young queer viewers hope for their own futures. And I can only imagine the impact of seeing mainstream queerness at a relatively young age. Um, Buffy isn't a particularly progressive show, but it's still pretty rare to see a naturally progressing relationship between two women on screen that isn't salacious and isn't a punchline. And mm -hmm. not only do we get to see queer characters fall in love on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we get to see them be accepted by their friends. And that would have been huge for the show's target demographic at the time. And it kind of still is, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I wish that aspect of the show seemed dated <laughs> um, but I mean that's still it's still a big deal um, just in terms of queer representation and pop culture so that's why Buffy for me <laughs> what about you Kelly um, so a little bit like you Lonnie it it really taught me to be open to a story that folks who know me think I will love even if the mm -hmm. premise sounds ridiculous to me because right. when Buffy was airing, you know, I was 
way early 20s. And I was a single mom. I was working full time. I was working my way through college. And my friends were like, you have to watch this show. And I'm like, it's a teenage vampire slayer. I have got a baby on a hip. And I didn't like, no, thank you. There is no part of this that appeals to me. Um, plus, I'd seen the movie. So, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> which was not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but see, a long, long time ago, a long, long time ago, there was this thing called cable TV. <laughs> and and oh on cable TV, you had this thing called reruns. And mm-hmm. you you weren't in charge of when it of when they happened. Things just showed up and you either watched them or you didn't. And that was it. <laughs> and one night, um, Buffy was on. Um, and I think I, I decided to watch it because people had told me, you know, so many times. Mm-hmm. And the episode ended up being Fool for Love. And so, I, I mean, come on, right? There's this smoking hot, like, here endeth the lesson, slayers are in love with death, you know, thing. <laughs> And and then Spike shows up at Buffy's house full of, with a shotgun, only to sit down beside her, you know, when she's crying. And I was hooked. Like, I was hooked. So it's really because Spike. Um, <laughs> and, and Willow and Tara also. And, and But really, for me, the show is mostly about Willow and Spike. Um, mm-hmm. And their arcs from sidekick villain to protagonist champion. Uh, mm-hmm. And faith, because we get a real redemption arc from a character who does not apologize for being who she is. Uh, mm-hmm. Faith is my slayer. But mostly <laughs> it's Willow. As Willow goes, so goes my nation. Um, because <laughs> she teaches us, challenge the way things are. Ask questions. Embrace your gifts. Be gay. Do crimes. Learn and learn some more. <laughs> and then just absorb all the books into the very fiber of your being and go destroy the universe because sometimes you just need to flay a dude. And I'm like, yes, this is a philosophy with which I align. Um, so, you know, it's the show is it's about courage and humor and hope and choice and power and the weight of it and the choice to share it. But but for me, it's a show called Buffy that's about Willow. And I love it. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's really great. So this is why, you know, we love Buffy, respect Buffy as a, you know, a cultural icon. Um, why podcast about it is my next question <laughs> in the script. And um, I started podcasting about Buffy in, uh, I think, 2014 around there um i had another media company and another husband we did that together um and for those of you i mean i talk about this a fair bit so i think everybody pretty much knows i would come to the show afraid it was an abusive relationship um i literally could not form my own opinions if you asked me what i thought i would not be able to tell you i would wait until he told me what he thought and then i would agree Um, And I was aware that I was afraid of him, but I couldn't understand why, because it wasn't physically abusive at that time. Um, And that's the thing about emotional abuse. Like, you know, the call is coming. But when someone really masterful and subtle is at the helm, you know, you don't know it's coming from inside the house. I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know where the call was coming from. And when all of that blew up and he basically destroyed the media company I'd been building for seven years at that point. Um, and then people from his past told me things about him that I never knew. And I realized that I had been married to a sociopath. Um, my whole life came down around me, but we hadn't finished Buffy. Um, I was in the middle of season six um, and I hadn't finished talking about it. And I had realized that I also had never actually talked about it Mm -hmm. because I couldn't, I was incapable of forming an opinion 
that he didn't like at mm-hmm. that point in our marriage. Um, and so I started a new media company. And one of the first things I did was start up the Still Pretty YouTube video series, finishing out season six and seven from where the old podcast had left off. Um, but when I was done with that, it wasn't enough. It, I wasn't satisfied because I didn't know what I thought about these episodes. I know that he thought things and I agreed with what he thought, but I didn't know what I thought. Um, And so in order for me to podcast about it and talk about it the way that I wanted to, I needed a dance partner. Um, I was still really fragile at that time. I was very, very careful about the people who were close to me and I kept that number very, very small. Um, And one of them was Noelle. And so I was already doing a podcast, Big Strong Yes, with Dr. Kelly Jones. And I looked to Noelle who had not podcasted, I believe, at that point, um, who had never expressed any real interest in it. Um, (laughs) They had listened to me and Kelly and Big Strong Yes. They were a fan. And then they wrote, uh, they recorded a um, a video uh, or no, they recorded an audio clip for the finale of Big Strong Yes, in which they yelled at us. And I loved them from that moment for the rest of my life. And realize this is my person. Um, so, so we kind of kidnapped Noel and brought them into our fold. Um, and uh, and I was just like, so uh, hey, you want to do a podcast with me? Trust me, it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then what I find so funny about this story is because I am a terrible person, and because we didn't know each other that well at the time, you thought I turned you down. Oh, yes, this is, I did. And, I had messaged you about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is also a lesson in directness and how it helps everyone. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I remember a late night text stream trying to clear up that misunderstanding. And then I woke up to a wall of text from Lonnie that was like, are you sure? It's seven seasons of television. That's like two and a half years of your life. We're not going to be done until 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Which felt like forever. Away. Well, it was such a huge commitment to ask of somebody that we had been friends at that point. We were close, but it had been like six months, I think, like that we had been that close. Like, and so we were still at the beginning of our even. friendship. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Like, not yeah. even. I mean, yeah, because it was December of, of the previous year was like the first time you and I had ever spoken on the phone yeah. live and in person. But we yeah. did that thing. I mean, we did that thing that I think sometimes happens with friendships where you just sort of like click into a friendship and it's like, yeah. oh, yes, I speak this, this language. Forever. Like, I know what this person is talking about, <laughs> you know, because I had confided yeah. in you about some stuff and you were like, oh, yes, that makes total and complete sense to me. So we kind of, yeah. you know, we got in that like it was like the fast track to intimate conversation like that because we were like oh yes Mm -hmm. I know this thing that you're speaking about Mm -hmm. um yeah but it was so funny because you were just like you were like wait I thought you said no and I was like no I didn't say no I literally said I'll think about it (laughs) which I did I remember being really worried that I had asked you to do this thing and that we were good friends we'd started this friendship I trusted you completely which was a a rare thing for me and I was thinking about it from my perspective like I trust Noelle I love Noelle Noelle is amazing and brilliant and I hadn't thought about it from your perspective which is this person I've known for a series of months has asked me to make a three and a half year commitment (laughs) 
to her and this and this show that I am like, you know, I can take or leave. So at that point, once I thought about it from your perspective, I was like, oh, my God. And I knew that our friendship had started out with you being a fan. And that does until you get over that. Like there's a, there's a period where you have to kind of like do that full transition from being a fan to like looking and realizing that this person is this incredibly flawed human and all of that. And I felt like, what were you supposed to say? What are you supposed to say? No. Like, I didn't feel like I gave you room to say no. And I felt really bad about that. <laughs> well, what was, then what was so funny was I wrote you back this wall of text, which I have saved <laughs> in my notes app and reads like a oh Dadaist God. poem. Um, it's kind of hilarious. But no, what was what was so funny about that and continues to be very funny about that, I think, is that I am so happy to be a supporting character. Like that is my absolute favorite thing in the world. So you were doing this. You were doing this project. You were going to loop back around and start over with Buffy. And I was like, well, yeah, like, obviously, like, obviously I can be a support person for this, especially with, you know, some background and like, yeah. I don't know, film and television <laughs> studies, something, something, you know, I hadn't I hadn't gotten to flex those muscles, you know, mm-hmm. in in any sort of real way for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but that the whole misunderstanding was so funny, is so funny oh, now. <laughs> it was like, what are you talking well, about? Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> It's so it's so funny. And Noelle and I every now and again will have one of those conversations where I'm like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, and what's hilarious is like you will sometimes apologize for something that I'm like, I did like that didn't even. Yeah cross my radar it's that's, so that's funny. what being friends with me is it's getting random apologies at two in the morning by text because i just realized that i was an asshole or i i look back at my behavior and i'm like oh no that was terrible what was i thinking you know because i just i get paranoid like that every now and again and with the people that i love i get worried you know that like they're gonna turn around and just start hating me so <laughs> So Noelle got a little bit of that traumatized splashback um, on them. Um, Kelly, what about you? Now, I, I know uh, you kind of have a similar story of how you got started podcasting. It was that you were a fan and then we became friends. And then I was like, hey, you need to podcast with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my answer is always the same. I podcast about XYZ because you asked me to. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> because when Lonnie Diane Rich asks you to podcast with her, you say yes. It's just the rule. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Yeah. It is so funny the way you guys say Lonnie Diane Rich like that's a thing. You, it always cracks me up. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. How I'm far sorry, do you want to divert this podcast? Because I will we are not fucking, diverting the podcast. Then you take it back right now. Fine. I take it back. Let's talk about Still Dead. Thank so, you. So Dr. Kelly Jones and I did uh, the the podcast Big Strong Yes. We talked about Brene Brown's Rising Strong, Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic, and Shonda Rhimes' Year of Yes um, in the first season of Big Strong Yes. Available now. Go find it. Um, and uh, and so we went through that whole process together. And Kelly and I were friends before that. But something about podcasting about these very like deeply vulnerable things, you bond, you become oh, tight. Yeah. Like we we our friendship just was like yes, we are solid. And then when we were done, I was like, well, I don't want to do any more big, strong yes, because I'm tired of of weeping on the microphone every week. Um, But I did not in any way want to live in a world where I wasn't podcasting with Dr. Kelly Jones. So I was like, what do we want to do? 
And Kelly loves Angel. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I love Angel. And I want to figure out why I love it so much because it can be really bad. And I was like, sold. <laughs> sold. <laughs> when Dr. Kelly Jones says she wants to do something, you do it because she's amazing. Yeah, ex- um, except, so, yeah. except uh-huh. the part of that story that, that you skipped over is I wanted you to podcast about Angel and explain mm-hmm. to me why I loved it. And then you said, oh. come podcast with me. And then, but see, that was not part. I don't even part, remember. Yeah, no, no, no. That was not part of my plan. I was like, I want to listen to you explain to me why I like the show. And you were like, great, we're going to do uh-huh. a podcast about it. And I was like, okay, cool. So I don't think I understood that the question was that you wanted me to do it. I was like, oh, we're doing this together then. Okay. So yes, that was, that was definitely a presumption on my end, but I probably would have forced you to do it anyway yeah it was super fun it was super fun and and it's so it still cracks me up because angel is one of the best shows i have ever watched and it is one mm-hmm. of the worst shows that i have ever watched and and maybe yeah. i just I, maybe i'm just a contrarian and like i love the direct opposition within a thing um oh yeah but you have this story world that for me is very little about angel <laughs> this is this is this is wolfram and hart like it yeah. is a world in which magical books and magical libraries and multi-dimensional texts exist and they mm-hmm. are housed and stored and chronicled in a goddamn evil law firm. Like, come on. Like, come on. <laughs> and then you have Dark Wesley and Lila and mm-hmm. Lorne and Darla and uh. Spike and Illyria. And I'm like, yes, just, like, give me, you know. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. we need the spinoff show about Wolfram and Hart so we can do the still evil podcast. Yes. Because oh that God. would be the perfect, like, you know, um, trifecta. Yeah. This, it, this, it would have been, you know, it would have been great. Uh, yeah. So I still argue yeah. Faith should have come on as a full-time character and yes. been the slayer mm-hmm. in Angel. And mm-hmm. season four should be sucked into a hell dimension. Um, yes. But mm-hmm. but my favorite part of Still Dead were the Patreon ads. They still <laughs> crack me up. And, and I have to say, like, maybe for the last time, Lonnie, I'll take away your bucket. Oh, my God. I love that so much. <laughs> so good. <laughs> As a little aside, um, Ian Martin of Passion of the Nerd is my beloved. He's in the other room right now. And um, when we became friends some years ago, we were just friends, I asked him to make a gif of that. So whenever I popped into one of his Patreon screams, he would play the thing, Lonnie, I'll take away your bucket. And it was all very funny. Then we started dating. And every time I would pop in and he would put that on, he would just cringe and be so uncomfortable because he's like, that's not the right way to treat a woman. Like... (laughs) I don't want people to think that this is the way that I talk to you in real life. So um, it's always funny, but I still love uh, I'll Take Away Your Bucket. And um, I actually have a bunch of posters that Mandy Kay yes. uh, made for us yes. from based on the uh, the commercials that we did so during great. that show. It was, it was so, so much fun. Uh, Noelle, so your relationship with Angel yes. is a little different. Yes. Right? Have you even watched any of it? I have watched a couple episodes of <laughs> Uh, I've watched a couple episodes of Angel. Um, I mm-hmm. had I actually randomly saw an episode of Angel way back in the day, and it was like, 
Yeah. Uh, no, this is not my thing. Um, <laughs> and I watched a couple. I watched a couple because while you were doing Still Dead, you had questions about what's going on here. Like, what is that? Why does mm-hmm. this look this way? So I would, you know, every yeah. now and then I would watch. I think I've seen maybe maybe three episodes of Angel. It's not my thing. Um, but I may or may not have listened to every episode of Still Dead. Because I love you guys. Aww. Now that is love. That is love. To listen to every episode of a podcast about a show you are not interested in. Um, but yeah, like the Angel, I, I had to talk about if nothing we do matters, all that matters is what we do. Because that is the like the anchoring philosophical statement of my life. And the fact that it comes from Angel, no fucking shame. I am not the kind of girl that's going to sit here and fucking quote Camus. I'm going to tell you that I pull my philosophy of life from Angel. And that is what I teach my kids too. When my kids were like, hey, are we going to die? And you start having that conversation with them. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, here's the thing. I don't know what comes after that. I can't tell you, but I can tell you this. The only thing that matters is what you do right now every day. And that is the philosophy that I raised them with from this show that is you know, hit and miss. We made the whole Still Dead. For those of you who have not yet watched Angel, listen to Still Dead. We will tell you which episodes you can skip. We will summarize them for you so that you don't really miss anything. And we'll tell you which ones to watch. You can get through the whole thing and you can talk about it with your friends who love Buffy. Um, but yeah, it's it's a fascinating show and a fascinating discussion to have. And I was so glad that I got to have that discussion with Dr. Kelly Jones. It was so much fun. Me too, baby. It was fun. Yeah. All right. So here's the thing. Um, you know, everybody, how much I love to ask about the favorite part. Like, mm-hmm. what is your favorite part? So we are going to go through a series of favorites on which I have not created a limit. It is not what is your favorite Buffy episode. <laughs> it's list your favorite Buffy episodes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to let Noelle and Kelly go first. And then I'll just fill in, you know, probably everything on their list is, I think, pretty much all on my list. <laughs> But Noelle, go ahead and start for us. What are your favorite Buffy Buffy episodes? Yeah, I'm kind of bummed, actually, that we didn't like run these through a chart or something because there's some overlap yeah. and there's also some like there is. not overlap. I'll, um, I'll correlate mm-hmm. them when we get done. Oh, my God. Of course oh you will. God, I love it. Ass. I love it. <laughs> I mean, my all time favorite episode of Buffy. Like, I know this is not a pick a favorite episode list, but my favorite yeah. is Hush. I love mm-hmm. Hush so much. Um, but my little list of favorites, and this was just in no particular order other than Hush, off the top of my head, uh, Hush, Normal Again, Band Candy, Doppelgangland, <laughs> which I would pretty much always podcast about if we just wanted to do another episode about Doppelgangland, I would be here oh, for that. Oh, you know what? Yeah, we can totally do you know, that. We can come back to Still Pretty like whenever we feel like and be like, let's rewatch this Let's episode. just rewatch <laughs> Doppelgangland. Um, so, right. so good. Um the body, not one mm-hmm. to rewatch trivially, but still one of my all-time yeah. favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. Something Blue, Tabula Rasa, I Was Made to Love You, and honorable mention, Double Meat Palace. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's a meat process. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, a, it's a meat process? It's a meat yes. Process. <laughs> 
All right, Dr. Jones, what do you got? Okay, so I needed delimitations because this list was getting crazy. Um, Right, mine was too. Yeah, so I limited myself to a dozen and then I put them in order of appearance. So across the seasons, but I have three that are bolded that I was like, okay, these Mm -hmm. three are Buffy for me. And I rewatched them all in prep, those three episodes and correct. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are all excellent. (laughs) And they're still my three favorites. So uh, Band Candy, Lover's Walk, The Wish, uh, Doppelgangland, Bold, Rewatched, Holds Up, Mm -hmm. Hush, this year's girl and who are you? I uh, put them together because reasons. Um, family, fool for love, rewatched, still that good. Once more with feeling, tabula rasa, conversations with dead people, which I will always love, and storyteller. Oh my god, that was, yeah. that's a good list. It's a good. That's list. a good list. All right, so I'm going to start with the ones that I have that you guys uh, didn't also have. Mm. So these are the ones that were not on your list, at least as far as I was able to tell when I was, you know, just checking them off as you guys did. Uh, The Zeppo is um, one of my favorites. I really, really love that. I love the uh, different perspective and the, the the flip of what the world looks like through Xander's eyes. I thought that was fun. Um, the Replacement, which is another Xander-centric episode that I really love. Um, Checkpoint from season five, the one with uh, the boy has clocked more time than all of your people put together. Um, the Gift, the end of season five, which I think is amazing. Um, Becoming, the end of season two that rips me open every single time I watch it. And another from season two that I think doesn't always um, it has a lot of personal resonance for me is I only have eyes for you because it deals with Buffy's ability to forgive herself which I have found with Buffy that a lot of the episodes that really speak to me are things that speak to my own specific emotional struggles and um, and I think in some way my favorite episodes are the ones that either speak to those struggles or make me laugh a lot. Yeah. Um. So so those that's my list and also everything that you guys said. Yeah. <laughs> I only have asked for you was on mine. I had to when I was narrowing it down but to twelve. Had to, I had to yeah. let it go. But it's it's a it's damn tough. good episode. It is. It's, it's tough. It's tough. And another really difficult question is who's your favorite Buffy character? Now, I'm going to go last on this one, too, because everybody knows the answer, and it doesn't matter. Um, Noelle, who's your favorite Buffy character? What do you have for this? This is tough. This is really tough. Um, Mm -hmm. Of the core cast, I think it's Willow. And as Mm -hmm. we all know, when Willow cries, I cry. (laughs) But in terms of the character, I'm basically always happy to see whenever they're on screen. It's Oz. I am always oh, glad to see Oz. Yes. When Oz shows up, I'm like, yes, here for mm-hmm. this. Um, and I also love the minor vampires. I love Darla mm-hmm. and Sunday and Vampire Harmony. <laughs> Just, I love that we have so few female vampires, and those are all the ones that you love. Well, like they stand out. They they're, stand they're out. Characters. They yeah. stand out. The actors are all fantastic, and all mm-hmm. three of them are doing a thing in their yep. own way that just makes them so delightful like they didn't mm-hmm. have to go so hard on those characters and i know we've had that we had the discussion way back in season one about how much i love darla yeah. on buffy and darla on yeah. angel is a whole other thing um <laughs> but i love i i don't know there's something mm-hmm. about that that level of from darla anyway just camp that delights mm-hmm. me so so much but yeah yeah, you're right. We don't get a lot of 
female vampires, but the ones we do mm-hmm. just are good. So delightful. I, I would put Drusilla in that. Drusilla, camp too. for I mean, sure. I don't know if you like Drusilla as much, but oh my God, Juliet Landau, what she does with that character is nothing less than art. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. Kelly, what about you? Okay. Tell so, me about your favorite characters. Nope. Uh, we have to change this. Sorry, Jack. Um, I have oh, a thing. Oh, I'm doing a thing <laughs> yeah. right here. That uh-huh. is going to transition us, transition us into our favorite quote. So you have to go second and I have to go last. It's in the script. All right. Okay. Sorry, Jack. Okay. I am very, very sorry. Okay. There um, are instructions <laughs> on the document, Lonnie. I didn't. Wait, where are the instructions on the document? Read it. Oh, and speaking of favorite quotes. Okay. That's not an instruction. That's a thing. All right, Jack, edit none of this out. I love Kelly Jones <laughs> schooling me live on the air. Cut nothing. I'm going to go ahead and go to my favorite character, uh, which is, uh, you know, Spike. Um, I love Spike. I love the, um, uh, I love the arc for this character. Mm-hmm. I think that Spike was one of the first characters I had seen where I was conscious of what they were doing with the arc and how you take somebody from being like evil, bad to somebody that you would root for and somebody that you would love and what Spike's arc says about the possibilities of redemption. And redemption has always been a theme that for me, um, and, and possibly this might be tied to the reason that I love, I only have eyes for you as well. My lack of ability to forgive myself, even though I've never actually murdered anybody, um, or done anything like really that bad. I still have a hard time forgiving myself for anything that I do. Um, and the idea that Spike can be forgiven and redeemed, you know, for, um, for what he's done because of what he's doing, how he's choosing to go from this time forward how he got a, a champion's ending you know um, a hero's ending um i love all of that so spike is is probably my favorite with honorable mentions to anya uh definitely oz like noel said the one who makes you happy every time you see them um willow of course because this is partially like i i'm i'm not convinced that this isn't willow the the powerful witch that this is not like her story um and you know i I just anya oh i already said anya sorry i don't have these written down i'm pulling them out um and tara of course who Mm. is honestly like my um my north star for goodness yeah for genuine genuine goodness not performative goodness but genuine goodness which is what i really really love from tara so uh now is the point where i pretend that i didn't just get schooled by kelly jones and i say kelly what who is your favorite buffy character okay so on buffy my favorite character is willow on Mm -hmm. angel my favorite character is faith and on Mm -hmm. both shows my favorite character is spike I podcasted on Still Dead and Still Pretty. I'm picking more than one (laughs) favorite character. You do whatever you want. And I'm eating this banana. Lunchtime be damned. (laughs) Speaking of favorite quotes, Lonnie. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much for that seamless and off-the-cuff transition. (laughs) 
into our favorite lines. Oh um, it was beautiful. All right. So uh, here's the thing, guys. Just a little bit behind the scenes here. Um, I produce the show. So, like, I'm always the one trying to pull in, like, segues. And I am notoriously awkward at it. And I'll just be like, okay, so now we're going to go to this. Boom. You know. Um, and so Kelly Jones putting a lovely little segue in there and me fucking it up is so on brand. It's so for perfect. Lonnie running the show. Yeah. It's absolutely the most perfect thing, which is why we didn't edit that out. Um, all right. So favorite lines from Buffy. Um, and and now that Kelly has thrown to me, of course, my first one is a Willow line. If you hurt her, I will beat you to death with a shovel. A vague disclaimer is nobody's friend. I say that a lot. I love that. Um, I love Giles. Um, do you like my mask? Isn't it pretty? It raises the dead. Americans. I love that. Um you made a bear. Undo it. Undo it. <laughs> Which is, of course, a spike in pangs. Um, I may be dead, but I'm still pretty. Which is the uh, where we got inspired for the title of this uh, of this podcast. Um, and then, like, honestly, I may be love's bitch, but at least I'm man enough to admit it. And everything that Spike says, uh, you know, um, before that in that speech to uh, to Buffy and Angel in Lovers Walk. And I think, like, honestly, one of my favorites, one of the ones that touches my heart every single time is Tara looking at Willow and saying, I am, you know, yours. Just, oh, yeah. God. Right in the right in the heart feels. It's a really heart. good line. It's written as fuck, mm-hmm. but it's a really good line. It is. <laughs> <laughs> what about you Noah? oh my god well the one i say all the damn time it's a meat process <laughs> so <laughs> i'm gonna have to start hitting the pro harder because the line is mm-hmm. it's a meat process <laughs> yes <laughs> um i'm cowboy guy i showed up on time so i got to be cowboy guy <laughs> That is another one I say all the time, but I say it incorrectly, damn it. It's stuck in my head Mm -hmm. as I got here early, so I got to be cowboy guy. And Uh, because of that, it is stuck in my head that way. (laughs) And every day that I get to work super early, I walk up to the coffee maker and I'm like, I got here early, so I get to be cowboy guy. And that's not the quote, but I'm quoting Noelle, who is misquoting the show. And that is how it is in my head forever. Well, because it is. That is the spirit. It's linked for me. That's absolutely what it Mm -hmm. is, Kelly. For me, it's linked to when I get somewhere early, I think. Mm I get yeah. here, or, you know. I got here early, so I got to be cowboy guy. So yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep my rewrite. I, I mean, there's it. a long. You say it however you want. Listen, there's a long history of that in quotable lines from film oh, and television. Play it again, Sam. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm ready for my close up. Mm-hmm. Mr. Demille is not the line. Play it I'll again, Sam. Is not the I line. Knew him well, you know, we say this yep. shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But I got a couple more favorite lines, and of course they're ridiculous. Mm-hmm. All monkeys are French. <laughs> I am so going to bite you. (laughs) Harmony for the win. You can't do that. It's wrong. (laughs) And tiny, tiny babies, (laughs) which is Giles in Who Are You? And it's funny to me that two of my favorite lines come from Who Are You? And I didn't have that Mm -hmm. listed as a favorite episode. But I quote that episode all the time. Some... Yeah, some episodes are incredibly quotable while not necessarily being the favorite. Although this year's girl and who are you are, you know, definitely up there. Um, they're good, good episodes. Um, Kelly, 
Give us your quotes. Okay. The top three that I actually say all the time are mm-hmm. bored now, Willow. <laughs> I've got a theory. It's a demon. Dancing demon. But mostly I've got a theory. It's a demon from <laughs> Once More With Feeling. Out for a walk, bitch. Like, <laughs> I say it every time I go walking around the neighborhood. Uh, mm-hmm. Tara, can we just skip it? Can you just be kissing me oh. now? And like, I can't, oh, yeah. God, it just kills me. Oh, kills me. Yeah. If you aren't with me 110% then get the hell out of my library. Oh, I love that. Willow. <laughs> Thus endeth the lesson. Spike, I can mm-hmm. just like, I just need that on a GIF. Um, yeah. I'm entertaining and educating. Andrew, <laughs> fucking love. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I have to pause. I'm this Jack, keep this in too. Um, as as Kelly is reading all of these, her amazing cat Calliope, who is the best cat in the world, um, is coming up to her and swatting at her earrings. <laughs> I'm trying so and hard. It was to the get most adorable thing. I love it. She's being so naughty right now. <laughs> Um, okay, oh one my of God. my anyway, yes. all-time favorites. Don't mm-hmm. speak Latin in front of the books. Like it's so good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anya, when I'm having a bad day, I'm 1120 years old. Just give me a freaking beer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And Spike, is everyone here very stoned? Um, but but Noel and I quote Giles with a tiny tiny babies all the time like i made a smoothie the other day with the little bitty frozen blueberries and i was like tiny tiny berries i don't know why it's so funny (laughs) well i mean part of the reason it's so funny is one of my favorite things that actors get to do is when someone who is an excellent actor has to play a character who is not a good actor so Mm -hmm. anthony stewart head we know we like yeah. that man can make exposition roll trippingly off the tongue. Like it just <laughs> occurred to him to say that. It just like it just yeah. occurred to him to give you this ridiculous exposition Which rundown. Is the hardest thing of the demon. Yeah. But in that moment, Giles is trying to be distracting. He's trying to act, and Giles is not a good actor. <laughs> so trying to raise the stakes of the situation by just hitting tiny. A second time and really hard. It's great. Yeah. It's great. You it's love so it good. because it's so a much packed good, in to those three words. It's a good actor doing bad acting, which is one of the mm-hmm. most fun things to see. Yeah. And it's just fun to do. I mean, because so many yeah. things fit into that, you know, tiny, tiny babies <laughs> format. It's wonderful. <laughs> so funny. Wonderful. So, so incredibly cute. It's so cute. All right. So, Noelle, yes. what is your favorite part of Buffy? Oh, my God. You know, easy question, right? Super simple. <laughs> my favorite part of Buffy. I mean, that's a that's a tricky thing to mm-hmm. answer because that can go a bunch of different directions, right? Like mm-hmm. story-wise, story-wise, it's the way... Willow and Tara's relationship grows and changes and how Mm -hmm. devastating it is when they separate. I mean, Mm -hmm. I love the devastation of a good decision. Um, (laughs) Speaking of which, this is kind of a tangent, but I've been thinking about this for a week now. I have been Mm -hmm. trying to hash out why 
Anya's death in Chosen is so awful and also absolutely mm-hmm. the right decision story-wise and world-building-wise. And mm-hmm. I think it's because she has come full circle in that moment of battle. Yes. Anya mm-hmm. started off as a human who didn't fit in with other humans. In the last battle, she's a human again in the sense that she's been de-demoned, but also mm-hmm. in the sense that she's having a human experience. She's afraid She's surprised that she's afraid, and she lets Andrew's suggestion of visualizing something nice comfort and support her. Of course, Mm -hmm. because she's Anya, she takes that into kicking ass territory, fueling her fight with her centuries-long loathing of bunnies. But oh well, you know, it gets the job done. But in that last fight, Anya is human, having a human experience, doing exactly Mm -hmm. the human thing. She just described to Andrew in the last episode about humans persisting in kind of ridiculous ways. And Mm -hmm. she's part of the group. She's done. She's redeemed. She dies because she's arguably done everything she needs to do on her heroine's journey. Whereas Mm -hmm. Andrew, who we expect to die and who he expects to die, (laughs) isn't done yet. He Mm -hmm. still has more redemption and inclusion to seek out. That yeah. fight is an ending for Anya, but a beginning for Andrew. It still mm-hmm. sucks. I still hate that she dies, but it's absolutely the correct answer. It is. Yeah. It's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to favorite parts. Favorite parts of Buffy. I love any time the show gets really campy. Mm-hmm. Especially all that season one goodness of Darla and the Master just chewing all of the scenery. Mm-hmm. It's so goofy. It's so delightful. <laughs> I love surprise Spike disappearances. It's corny, <laughs> but anytime Spike is monologuing and then falls in a hole or gets zapped, my heart just sings. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's so good. It's so good. Um, I love anytime an actor gets to do something that's out of ordinary for their character. I mm-hmm. love seeing... Sarah Michelle Gellar play evil. I love seeing somebody get to play, you know, (laughs) I've been taken over by my Halloween costume. Like any of those. (laughs) It's kind of it's it's sort of gimmicky, but they all do it so well. It's so much fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, I also love the really small moments that aren't necessarily meant to be hugely impactful, but that hit so hard because they feel genuine. So I'm thinking of Faith's excitement when the mayor is showing her her room or Tara just sitting with Buffy at the hospital because she knows how it feels when your mom dies. Yeah. And one of my absolute favorite parts of the show is the last scene with April the robot in I Was Made to Love You, where Buffy sits with April and talks to her as she shuts down mm-hmm. or dies, really, because it's played like a character's death. Buffy says everything April needs to hear in that moment with absolutely no judgment. And April is a robot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then she ends up getting some insight into her own situation and fixation on relationships. But that's not why she says what she says and does what she does in that scene. Buffy does it because Mm -hmm. she has compassion for this other being who did everything, quote unquote, right. Everything she was literally Mm -hmm. programmed to do. And still ends up alone and confused and questioning her own worth. It's fucking 
masterful. And it's one of the most mm-hmm. genuinely moving things in all of the show for me. Yeah. Um, but zooming back out, that's something else I think the show does really well. People mess up or have things about them that don't work out very well or just don't work very well, period. And they can still be loved. I mean, you can be a literal mm-hmm. werewolf and still be cared for. Oh, God. All oh, so, so good. good. I love all oh. of those answers. I love that if you ever ask Noelle a question, you always get such a deeply thoughtful answer. And it is one of my favorite things about Noelle. I love Noelle oh, for so many reasons. But baby, that is one of my favorite things about you. Um, Dr. Kelly Jones, tell me what is your favorite part of Buffy? Well, I mean, we, what are your favorite parts? Yeah, I mean, we might have just yeah. had it with Noelle making me like almost cry about a robot shutdown. That was beautiful, <laughs> oh, no. honey. That beautifully was beautiful. expressed. I love you yes. so much. Um, and you're so right about mm-hmm. you, you know, yes, you are loved. I mean, that is almost a foundational uh. aspect of this show, um, mm-hmm. which makes it almost the exact opposite of Angel in which there is no space for love to last. So it's it's very different. And I, I didn't see that until that brilliant explanation just then. Um, my favorite part of Buffy, uh, I'm sorry, we have books everywhere. We have the library <laughs> in the high school. And then we have the books in the magic shop. And we have research mode. They literally have research mode as a character. Research yeah. mode. <laughs> like, yes, come yeah. on. Like the library is a character. Library is a character. The books, you know, are char- but research mode is a thing this show does on purpose, and I love mm-hmm. it so much. Um, I love all of Spike. I love Spike as a teacher, especially when he's teaching Buffy about Slayers and demanding spicy buffalo wings as payment. <laughs> oh that- my god! How did I forget Spike and food? You love Spike and food. The hedonism of Spike. Oh my yes, god! You just read a whole book on that. Oh my god, Spike. Uh, crunching up Weedabix in the blood yes. to give it some texture. <laughs> yes. What is wrong with me? I mean, <laughs> I'm like weeping real. over a robot and totally forgot my most favorite part of all of Buffy, which is how much Spike just loves the world because that's where food and stuff are. Like, yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. Spike loves food. Oh, and also on your list of favorite things, where are Riley's arms? Oh I my mean, come God. On. Okay. <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, anyone who's listened to all of Still Pretty knows that I don't like men, but I like Riley. <laughs> he is just so pretty. He is so pretty to look at. He's very pretty. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, I love I love Spike. I love. But it's funny because he has this poetic salt, right? What happens if you turn a poet into an evil vampire, right? You don't lose your ability to see multiple perspectives of the world. And that makes Spike an excellent teacher. Like, we get some fantastic pedagogy through Spike in this show. And it's very lightly done, but I freaking love it. Um, it makes me so mm-hmm. happy. Um, Willow's brilliance. And and not the fact that she just snaps her fingers and knows the answer. Like, this is a very mm-hmm. intelligent, powerful person. But she earns her talent through study and practice like a lot Mm -hmm. of study and practice and that just Mm -hmm. but one favorite moment like for some reason and i i don't know why this will tell you everything you need to know about me Mm -hmm. oz giving willow the little pez witch and willow says what's the occasion and oz says pretty much 
you are. Uh, I it like hashtag romance. I can't. That's it's Oz is the ideal. Uh, Oz is the best boyfriend. Oz is yeah. he's just one of the best people. And his yeah. consistency of character all the way through and also on yep. Angel. He's so wonderful. Mm-hmm. But then we get that one moment in Doppelgangland where Oz just tops oh, Angel. Yes. And yep. he's like, you know, <laughs> vampire Willow walks into the bronze and Oz goes to Angel, get Buffy. Do it now. And like the mm-hmm. whole world obeys when Oz commands. Yeah. And I love it. Uh, Sarah yeah. Michelle Geller pretending to be Faith, pretending to be Buffy. Yes. Faith in Buffy's body. <laughs> oh my God. You can't do so that. Amazing. It's naughty. Oh God. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Um, all mm-hmm. the snark. Also, Drusilla. I love Drusilla. Mm-hmm. The real yeah. arcs we get from Spike and Faith and Willow. Um, queer sex represented on screen as magic. I- mm-hmm. I'm just going to say those rose petals, y'all, and like leave it there. <laughs> um, Buffy choosing to share her power with the potential slayer. Spike choosing to get his soul. Willow choosing to own her own magic. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and women changing the damn world. Um, yeah. But ultimately, I can't help myself. Like, if I have to say one favorite thing, it is the use of school as the metaphor that runs all the way through mm-hmm. the show because curriculum shapes reality for better or for worse. Yeah. And and the way that they thread that through, I don't know if they did that on purpose. I don't know if they even realized how deeply they hit it, but mm-hmm. they did a beautiful job. Um, and this is a show about how learning changes the world and how we think about what we learn and what we choose to learn and how we apply that. Um, but the use of school as it grows and changes and literally blows up and, you know, comes back <laughs> and, you know, it's it is brilliant. And I wish that that was the dissertation I had written. It's that good. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. What about amazing. you, baby? What's your favorite <laughs> part? Oh, my God. Well, uh, there's so much. Um, but when I think about like, what is if I had to pick one moment in all of Buffy, that I think is the most powerful thing for me. Um, I think it's that emotional catharsis at the end of season two. Um, I still weep from the depths of my soul whenever I watch that. And, you know, despite what y'all may have experienced, if you listen to Big Strongest, I don't like actually cry that much. Usually, typically, I don't like to I shut down those emotions. I put on a happy face and I go through my day, which is why. I'm damaged the way that I am Um, or maybe because of the way that I'm damaged. But anyway, um, so I'm I'm a little emotionally constipated. And this part of the show always wrecks me because Buffy loses everything like in one moment. But she chooses to do the right thing. And there's that moment when he is playing with the sword and he points it at her and he says, no friends, no family. What do you have left? And she catches the sword between her hands and says, me. And that is, to me, such a defining moment of self-actualization, of knowing what it is to do the right thing, of living in heartbreak and yet getting up and fighting your way out. Um, Everything at the end of of that season, at the end of Becoming Part 2, for me, speaks to why Buffy is one of the best TV shows that has ever been on TV, why it is such an important piece of media and storytelling is because it 
It connects us with that part of ourselves that will still get up and fight for the right thing no matter what. Um, and so there's so much that happens um, in that episode that just fucking destroys me. And I have to watch it with regularity. Like um, yeah. by regularity, I mean like once every couple of years um, <laughs> because it just, it is the one thing that allows me to access that part of myself that allows me to like feel all of those things. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that this story has that kind of power. Um, you know, I mean, some smaller things, the moment with Giles in Innocence yeah. um, mm -hmm. after she's slept with Angel and Angel has turned evil and she feels like it's her fault. And this is something that I think, you know, many um, people who are raised to be caretakers and nurturers, which happens to people who present feminine, um, that for some reason, whatever goes wrong for somebody else or whatever somebody else does, we often feel like it's our fault, you know, and we're trained to feel like it's our fault, you know. And then there's that moment where Giles says, if it's judgment you want, I'm afraid you won't get it from me. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. He is explaining to her that this is not her fault, that this is not something that she did, that she didn't fuck him evil. You know, um, and that evil is something that happened to him and that's not for her. And there is something about that moment when he says that, that allows for that lift, you know, of because in that moment, I'm always with Buffy. I identify with how she feels about that, that she feels like it's her fault, like she did something wrong, like it must be something that she did. Um, and part of that is a, uh, a control fantasy that um, if everything is my fault, I can fix everything that's broken, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that I have struggled with my entire life. And sometimes things are not your fault. Sometimes you just have to accept that they turned out the way they turned out and it sucks, but it's not something you did and you didn't do anything wrong. That for me, having Giles say that to her felt like Giles saying that to me. And that has always been really powerful. Um, the moment in touch, we just recently talked about this, um, where Spike sits down with Buffy and says, I love you because of who you are. Um, I love how you try. It's got nothing to do with me. Um, and that ability for Spike, who has basically been the defining example of immature love up until this point, you know, up until he gets his soul, the defining example of selfish love, the defining example, example of love that is all about the love, the person doing the loving. It is about possession and obsession and all of these very, very dark things. When he finally gets it, what it means to actually love somebody that way and is able to express that to her. Um, and then she is able to listen to him and hear that from him because every other time he said, I love you, which granted he said it before he had a soul, right? Um, she was like, no, you don't, you don't understand what love is, you know? And here we have Spike, the guy who could never understand what love was, who never got it. He's the one explaining it to her. Mm -hmm. He's the one explaining how he loves her and showing his work, 
right? Um, I absolutely love that. And the last thing I think, um, and, and, you know, when I talk about my favorite parts of Buffy, I think I talk about the things that make me feel the most deeply, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Tara's goodness mm-hmm. is one of those things. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about the difference between, you know, Tara's goodness and the quote unquote white hat good character that's capital G good and never does anything wrong, yeah. you know, um, and how I usually hate those characters. I hate the capital G good characters. Um, but Tara's goodness, I think, is internally sourced rather than externally performed. And for me, that is where goodness matters. Goodness matters for the person that nobody's watching. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody's patting her on the head and telling her, oh my goodness, you're such a good person, right? She just is. She's just good. She's just kind. And honestly, in a lot of my interactions, especially in interactions where I am um, frustrated and tired and not giving people the benefit you know, of compassion and empathy. And, you know, and I will say I put myself in that list of the people that fail to get compassion and empathy from me. Um, I think that asking myself the question, what would Tara do is not Mm. a bad way to combat that tendency in myself. Um, And she's just honestly one of my favorite parts of the show for that reason. Um, And because when I see her um, in a scene with somebody her goodness, her kindness, it always warms me. Her, The way she is with Buffy in the body, the way she is with Buffy in season six, um, just everything about her is so loving and kind. And I really look to her to be an example, you know, for me. All right, so let's move into uh, what's your favorite part of Still Pretty? I'll go ahead and go first. Um, and I have to say, like, the honest answer is working with you two. Uh, Kelly is the invisible third host of the show, has been involved <laughs> with it from the beginning, has given us a multiple incredibly brilliant insights that we cite on the show. Um, but that is a cheater answer. Right. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and actually talk about the show. Uh, I have to say it is the episode that no one is ever going to hear. When Noelle and I first talked about doing Buffy, we wanted to do a trial run. Like I did not want to ask them to make a three and a half year commitment of their life without having done the thing and get a sense of how they feel about it. You know, Um, at that point, Noelle had never podcasted before. We didn't know if they would like it. It was such a huge commitment. So we chose Hush and we wrote our notes and recorded a sample of the podcast. And I have never seen anybody who comes out of the gate. If you had told me that Noelle had been doing this for 20 years at that point, I would have believed it. They were so good on mic. The mic technique was amazing. Their voice was amazing. Their insights were brilliant. Um, It was like Christmas morning and somebody had just put a perfect co-host into a box (laughs) and was just like, here, Lonnie, have this. You know, it was serendipity beyond my my like most wild dreams. I knew I knew how smart uh, Noel was, which is, of course, why I asked them to, to do this with me. Um, but it was just such incredible surprise and delight to have them be so perfect from jump. It was so easy. Working with Noel has been one of the easiest things I have ever done in my life. Um, and it was just like it was meant to be. It was so wonderful. And so when I think about the moment that I knew that this was going to work, the moment that I knew that Still Pretty was going to be an amazing show to do, 
was that moment and nobody will ever hear that episode because i think i i crashed it after <laughs> i heard it it was fantastic <laughs> it was awesome it might be floating around somewhere uh, if i find it i'll put it in as a bonus episode yeah, i mean, still pretty feed yeah unfortunately it's not complete i mean that test run was so much fun yeah. And also so ridiculous because I genuinely had no idea what I was doing to the extent that I had all the wrong cords and wires and connectors for my mic and computer. Like, I completely lost power. Um, It it just it's so funny. Like, it was it was such a delight doing that. And I was so, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. And I was so um, pleased and surprised that it went as smoothly as it did and that you were so delighted because you know as I say I like being a supporting character I mean it's my favorite thing to do um that test episode also kicked off the years-long tradition of me podcasting in ridiculous positions and locations <laughs> Noelle is podcasting from their car I am right I mean that's been every one, week for a long time yeah, yeah. That first one I did wedged between a bed and a wall in a space about the size of a lunchbox. (laughs) (laughs) And most of the show has been recorded in the backseat of my 2007 Prius, Stella. Um, Mm -hmm. But I have also recorded under a desk in a pillow fort. (laughs) So, you know, just just me getting in ridiculous positions is one of the things that Mm -hmm. makes the show work, apparently. I can also confirm that Kelly was often the third host of the show behind the scenes. More than once, I have texted her, what am I going to say about XYZ episode? Because I'd be totally stuck. And she'd ask me some fucking brilliant question, and then I'd be off to the races. Um, Oh, my God. Because Kelly thinks about stories in this really fun space where narrative and especially fantasy and philosophy overlap. So you'll be Mm -hmm. talking about some element of an episode that you feel kind of weird about, and she'll go, well, yeah, you feel weird about that because it implies systemic Plato's cave bullshit something something, you know, (laughs) but like, smart. Like a smart answer, but like that kind of thing. (laughs) But to actually answer the question, what's your favorite part of Still Pretty? I have two answers. Um, One is cheeky and one is serious. And you get to decide which one I tell you first. I like cheeky. You like cheeky first? Okay. So Mm -hmm. the cheeky answer, my my favorite part of Still Pretty is... When I say something that I think is totally fine, you know, maybe it's a little funny, and Lonnie just loses her mind. (laughs) (laughs) The best is when I think Mm -hmm. I've said something completely regular and Lonnie spits out her tea. (laughs) (laughs) I've done that a couple of times. That you've caught me a few times. I have just said like but what's what's what I love so much is that in my mind, like I have just said like a normal, regular thing (laughs) and you lose it. It's so funny because Oh, because you're so brilliant. Well and also, I mean, I don't know, I don't it's maybe not obvious from this show, but Lonnie Mm -hmm. doesn't laugh at just anything. So when you crack her up, it's kind of like you won something. Correct. (laughs) Yes. 
Yes. Aww. Well, you win a lot. Yeah, I win. <laughs> I mean, me up. and the thing is, there is like one of the things that delights me about you is that you you think so differently from the way I think, mm. and so the the insights that to you seem like just an average thing, like blow my brain apart. And it's not just laughing; it's the oh my god, that is so brilliant. I'm going to be unpacking that for a couple of weeks, um, which happens probably more often than the big laugh. So you win something from me, like pretty much every episode. <laughs> it's just it's just delightful. And also it's Aww. fun. You know, it's fun to surprise myself in that way, because I don't always realize that what feels yeah. obvious and like normal and regular and everyday to me mm-hmm. is not. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I get to see how I I get to see how I think through doing yeah. this show, which brings me to my serious answer, actually, to what my favorite mm-hmm. part of Still Pretty is. Um, you know, for as much as I think about film and television and how often I can't turn off the part of my brain that's looking for visual leitmotif or themes or composition or references mm-hmm. to other visual media, it's easy to fall into the binary of I like this or I don't like this. And kind of leave it at that. But when you're podcasting about something week after week (laughs) and having a conversation (laughs) about what's going on and what you respond to and what you don't, you have to dig into why. So, okay, I like this, but why? This leaves me cold, Mm -hmm. but why? And that gets you into a really fascinating space where you're watching yourself watch something and respond to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So doing Still Pretty gave me a lot of insight into what I respond to in terms of television, how I engage with visual storytelling, and why my favorite parts are my favorite parts. Oh, I love that. Kelly, the invisible third host, how about you? (laughs) Well, if Buffy hasn't warned you about making people invisible, I don't know how to help you. Oh, my God. It's mostly the two of you making me laugh. Like, I love listening to the two of you because I am within one episode. I am going to laugh and I'm going to pause and think, um, which is is just fantastic. And and listening to your two different perspectives, I have seen things visually in Buffy that I would not have seen without Mm -hmm. Noelle's perspective. And Lonnie, you did. You you did an episode of Still Pretty when you were finishing up the video. I think it was on mm-hmm. video where you just broke down what is a love story and what is a romance. And mm-hmm. that that was one of those paradigm shifting deep story ideas that has just stayed with me. And I can see it, especially as the two of you have gone through these seven seasons together. I can see all the way through how that pulls. This is a love story of a woman and her work. This is a love Mm -hmm. story of two best friends. You know, one is a slayer and one is going to take over the world. And it's actually Mm -hmm. Willow's show, but whatever, it's fine. Um, (laughs) It's a love. It is literally a love story of Spike and the world. You know, we joke Mm -hmm. about him loving the world because it's a happy meal on legs. But in the end, he dies for the world. He chooses to do that. He saves the world. It is a love story um, of, of, of a snarky god sexy poet vampire with a love of the world i mean come on like you can't yeah. do better than that um it's fantastic 
and and getting to talk about a show that I love with two people I love on the rare occasions that I got to come in and and, uh, play around with y'all. But it was so fun. But you two have just done an amazing job. And I just want to take a minute to say seven seasons of television is a lot of episodes. Still pretty. Um, You guys have been amazing. Y'all have been so much fun to listen to. Um, I have learned from you. I have enjoyed it. Thank you. I know a lot of people are hanging out with us today watching. This is a big deal, you know, and and Noelle, I've never seen someone come out of the podcasting gate as mm-hmm. as gracefully as you did like I will always be a little bit jealous you know and like also it's a little bit about your hair but like you're just fantastic um but 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 Lonnie your commitment to this work and what you have brought to it what you have taught us from what you have learned of this show um and just the the fucking grit that you were like all right I'm I'm halfway through season six and my whole life has changed and whatever I'm gonna finish it and you know what I'm gonna start it over and do the way I want to do it mm-hmm. I will always love that about you you know um and and this is this is your own your own way of showing this is my choice this is where I'm directing my energy this is what I'm doing um and you've done it and it's been beautiful and I love you both so congratulations Aww. on <laughs> seven seasons of shenanigans and tomfoolery and madness so good job oh thank you so much and you know that is so incredibly sweet and i wasn't gonna cry and then kelly jones made me cry so you know whatever uh one thing that i want to add before we go into our last closing of the still pretty uh, uh podcast is that we asked for fans to send us audio clips. Um, And so a whole bunch of people did, and those are all going to be stitched together at the end of this episode. So today is a day when you don't want to, you know, skip to the next uh, episode in your podcast app until you finished and listened to everything. Um, But one of the things I've listened to every comment as they've come in, and some people have sent letters and some people have, you know, posted on social media and that kind of thing. And um, the thing that it kept coming up when people said the question that we asked them is what was your favorite part of still pretty and the answer that we got i think more than any other was the deep love and respect between us you know that the way that we are as friends the way that we love each other the way that we learn from each other the way that we honor each other um and to me i i felt like that was such an incredibly powerful thing because I did this podcast because my life had fallen apart and you guys were the ones who were there. Fuck. Yes. You guys were the ones who were there when that happened and that I got to reclaim this part of myself from this very, very dark space with two people who are so smart and so strong and so beautiful and so kind and loving. Um, you I don't think I could ever express to you like how much that meant to me and now we're gonna pull the music up Jack we're going into the close <laughs> going in all right that is it thank you so much everyone for hanging out with us these last few years it has been an honor and a privilege we asked fans of the show as i said before to send us audio clips of their favorite parts of still pretty stay tuned after the ending music to hear those clips and thank you so much to everyone who sent something in um after being the voice that you listened to to all these years it was so wonderful to hear you all and thank you 
You can find Lonnie on Twitter at Lonnie Diane Rich, me at Noelle Allowed, and Kelly at Dr. Kelly Jones. Be sure to go to chippers.com to find out what other podcasts we have going on. Right now, Lonnie is doing Endless, a Sandman podcast with DC Comics editor Elisa Quitney. And once Lonnie gets the How Story Works book done, for which I have her on a tight deadline, we will be back with the How Story Works podcast. And for the last time... This episode of Still Pretty was brought to you by the Chippersh Media Producers who support us on Patreon at the Power Producer level. These people are the reason why Still Pretty is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to Abby, Alice, Christina, Erica, Kevin, Kristen, Michael, Rose, Sarah, Shelley, Stephania, and Stephanie. And this week's special message for our Power Producers don't speak Latin in front of the books. This episode of Still Pretty was edited by Chipperish content editor Jack Cram. Jack? Why, yes, I would be Buffy. May I help you? Buffy. <laughs> you can't do that. It's wrong. You can't do that because it's naughty. Because it's wrong. Because it's wrong. You can't do that. It's wrong. I'll kick your ass. We thank you all so much for sharing this journey with us. So until we meet again, into every generation, a slayer is born. One girl in all the world. She alone will wield the strength and skill to fight the vampires, demons, and the forces of darkness. She She is the slayer. This is Steph. I really enjoyed both podcasts and wanted to thank Lonnie, Dr. Kelly, and Nicole for their hard work and insights. I think my favourite part was the Watchers Council guest appearances. They always made me laugh. Hi there, Lonnie and Noel, with a special shout out to Dr. Kelly Jones. This is James from New York City. I'd have to say my favourite part of Still Pretty is how much I've learned to understand the experiences of others and to be mindful of how we portray people in our fiction, be it women, people of colour, LGBTQ, or even the classic straight white man. You helped me understand their experiences not only in fiction, but in real life. I'm going to miss your discussion of Buffy, easily one of my all-time favorite shows. Thanks for all you've done and will continue to do. Figuring out my favorite part has been really difficult because Still Pretty has meant a lot to me over the years. Uh, But I would have to say that my favorite part has been attending the live recordings, uh, having good conversations with great people about a show that I love. Thank you. Hi, Lonnie. Hi, Noelle. Hi, Dr. Kelly. This is Sarah from Victoria. So my favorite part of the podcast, other than the conversations in the in the Zoom call, my favorite part of Chipperish has always been the way the hosts speak to and listen to one another. In the world we live in, it's so valuable to hear queer experience listened to by a straight person and treated with respect. The valuing of expertise is sadly, unfortunately, kind of rare these days. The valuing of someone who is othered, the valuing of their expertise even more so. That is a special thing, and it's my favorite thing. Guten Tag to Lani, Noel, and Dr. Kelly Jones. 
Um, my favorite part is you guys. Uh, my name is Dana. I'm a 30-year-old plus-size mixed-race woman from Germany. To say I felt out of place my whole life is um, an understatement. So listening to you talk about my favorite TV show has taught me so much about old and outdated power structures like the patriarchy and all the other isms. I will never see the world the same again because of you insightful and intelligent woman you have shown me so much truth and taught me very well um i've written this down because the first couple of times i tried to sound it out in my head um i i cried uh i will be re-listening because to not have new episodes will be very sad so all i want to say is Thank you very, very much. Hi, this is Alice in Nashville. And my favorite part of Still Pretty, well, it's two things. Um, first of all, it is you both, Lonnie and Noelle, and occasionally Dr. Kelly, just sharing things that I never thought about while watching the show, especially Noelle. Um, we think so differently, but I love every week hearing your point of view and bringing things to focus I never would have noticed before. As to the show, I think hands down the thing that sticks with me that I remember always is the intro that you did for The Gift, which made me cry a lot and gets me kind of teary-eyed every single time I think about it. Thank you guys so much for Still Pretty, and I can't wait for what happens next. My name is Arlene from the state of Maine. I have enjoyed Still Pretty for the last two years when I binge listened from the beginning in order to catch up to where you were in season three. I love hearing Noelle's observations on the filming choices, colors, and all that combined with Lonnie's brilliant narrative theory, especially when you get into how you would have liked to have made it better. But I gotta say my favorite part of Still Pretty is by far your dynamic. The way that you make each other belly laugh and have such love and respect for each other. And when it's the two of you with Dr. Kelly Jones, I just, I just think hashtag friend goals. I love you. Thank you for the work you put into creating a podcast that covered seven seasons of Buffy. Hi, my name is Laura from Springfield, Missouri, and I really love the podcast. My favorite moments have been when Lonnie contrasted romance and love story when talking about Buffy's relationship with Spike. Even before I found the podcast, I thought of a parallel between the Lizzie Darcy from Pride and Prejudice and Buffy-Spike pairs because of the time given for dislike to morph into respect and love. I felt vindicated to know that I wasn't off base with that and with the fact that I can't stand Wuthering Heights either. Thank you again. Hello, my name is Shanga. I live in Toronto, Canada, and I'm a longtime listener of Still Pretty. I'm really happy to have this opportunity to share my gratitude and speak to some of the ways that your work here has impacted me. So I watched Buffy as a teenager in real time as it was airing. And like most of us, my love of this show is enormous. <laughs> uh, Buffy's journey impacted me deeply. I started university shortly after the series finished, 
And at some point I stumbled into a first year woman and gender studies course. We were to pick a topic for our final essay. And I remember the first thing that I said was, well, I want to do an essay on Buffy or maybe Faith. (laughs) But as I tried to get into this work, it just wasn't happening. And I ended up doing my final project on Rena Verk. Rena Verk was a South Asian teenager living in British Columbia, Canada. Um, And her story is really sad. She was murdered in the late 90s by her classmates. Um, And there's a lot written about this case. And it's very clear that the reason she was murdered had everything to do with racism, sexism, homophobia, fat phobia, classism, ableism, sanism. She was 14. And she died in 1997, which is interestingly the same year that Buffy began, the same year that Buffy told us that she didn't want to die. This moment in my personal growth was really significant because as a young queer South Asian person myself, it propelled me on a journey of my own healing. And I followed the call to discover and recover myself in ways that Buffy the series never had room for me and never understood me. So in the following decade, I spent a fair bit of time in academia studying intersectional feminism and creative writing. I then went on to work in queer community, organizing performance spaces and creating and teaching art and writing. I started working professionally as an astrologer, a tarot reader, also predominantly in queer community. And all along, I went really deep into my own healing, familial, intergenerational, ancestral. The whole time, Buffy stayed with me, as I probably watched at least one episode per night every day, going through the series over and over again for many years. (laughs) The thing about committing your life to ancestral healing, especially for me, is that at some point in your healing journey everything will fall apart. Everything that is holding you back from who you really are to become in your empowerment, in your freedom, in your deepest expression of love. For me, that meant I had several significant relationships with family, friends, partners that all ended at once. And I was really alone. This was, um, in about 2017. And that's when I found Lonnie's work on Buffy and on storytelling. I had taken a solo trip to New York City. And the whole time I just had your podcast in my ears. I couldn't believe that I found a place on the internet that was not just dedicated to this beloved TV show, but to the art and craft and study of stories, which is just everything I'm in love with too. After a tumultuous time in my life filled with so much loss, I felt like myself again. I felt excited and inspired and lighthearted. This work that you, Lonnie and Noelle and Kelly, have put out there and dedicated yourselves to every step of the way has kept me inspired and motivated and brought me back to what I have always loved and wanted to do which is study and share my love of the technology of stories and storytelling. 
Now in 2021, I'm ready to return to that part of me who wanted to write an essay about Buffy all those years ago and now incorporate that into everything else I've learned and every other part of myself that I've found since then. And this wouldn't have come together for me in the same way if it weren't for the work and the community that you've built here with Still Pretty and Still Dead and all the other podcasts you do too. So now for my favorite part of Still Pretty, well, I was listening to your guest episode on Slayer Fest 98, Lonnie, when you mentioned that perhaps Willow and Buffy is the main love story of this series. And I thought about it and I was like, hmm, I don't know. I feel like the central love story in Buffy is about a woman and her work. Buffy and her relationship to slaying, how she refuses it, embraces it, and ultimately how she uses it to change the world. That's my favorite part of Still Pretty. It is so clearly a love story between a woman and her work. And I'm emotional to say this because as someone whose central love story in my own life is probably also between myself and my stories. What I love so much about this space, too, is your partnership and your friendships with each other. So often I listen to your podcasts and I'm like, I want my own version of a Dr. Kelly Jones or a Noelle LaCroix. It is so special that you're not only doing work that you love, but you're doing it with people who you love. That comes across so clearly And it is just such a beautiful possibility model that this is what I want in my own life too, in my own way, to do work I love with people who I love. And that's what Buffy is about, a love story between a woman and her work. But knowing that doing the work with people you love makes it so much more than it could ever be than if you were doing it alone. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this journey. Hi, y'all. Chari here. I just wanted to say thanks to Lonnie and Noelle and Kelly, too, for letting me spend time each week listening to your in-depth and intelligent commentary on one of my favorite stories ever. With every episode is Still Pretty, I learned so much about story, characterization, writing for TV, and visual storytelling that I can't say thank you enough to you all. But, well, here goes. First off, thanks for putting on all the time and effort and soul into making Still Pretty such an amazing podcast to listen to. (laughs) It was a hoot to laugh along with y'all, and sometimes I'd be out on a walk with my headphones in, and I'm sure people were wondering what the heck I was laughing at. But you also weren't afraid to tackle all of the harder, darker elements of Buffy. And the podcast is richer for it. Thanks also for the community you've built behind the scenes on the Chippers Discord channel. It's full of really kind, generous people who love talking about and listening to all aspects of Buffy and beyond. And I probably wouldn't have met any of them without Still Pretty. Lastly, thanks Lonnie for going back and doing Buffy again your way. I think that's my favorite part. Hey, Lonnie, Noelle, and Kelly, it's Ashley. Congratulations on a huge achievement. So you know that quotation that says, normalize changing your opinion when presented with new information? That right there has got to be my favorite part of your show. 
The thing is, I've been watching Buffy since I was 11 when the show premiered live. Over time, my opinions have evolved a ton. And one thing that keeps me loving Buffy is listening to critics who can help me pick apart and analyze the nuances of the show, especially the ones that don't hold up well. The discussions on Still Pretty are the best kind of commentary, deep, critical, respectful. The mutual care between Lonnie and Noelle and their guest hosts is palpable. I love the way that you argue, holding space for the other's point of view, and even sometimes calling back to an evolved opinion in a later episode. It kind of feels like a recurring joke in a series, this moment of, I was there before, that the listener can join in on, except, hey, instead of a world without shrimp, it's more like a world full of care, a world in which people can hold space for themselves and for others to grow. So that's without a doubt my favorite part. Thank you for all the insight on a show that means so much to me and so many others. All the laughs and above everything else, all the love. Can't wait to tune into your next projects.